The Sisu Way, Episode 7, Fostering Love with Maddie Porta. This episode is dedicated to a beautiful soul named Mary Beth LaRue and a little soul that needed to make his way to her and my guest today, and that's Baby A. When you open yourself to a continually changing, impermanent, dynamic nature of your own being and reality, you increase your capacity to love and care about other people and your capacity to not be afraid. You're able to keep your eyes open, your heart open, and your mind open. And you notice when you get caught in the prejudice, bias, and aggression, you develop an enthusiasm for no longer watering those negative seeds from now until the day you die. And you begin to think of your life as offering endless opportunities to start to do things differently. This is The Sisu Way, a show about grit, character, life philosophy, fitness, leadership, and service. My name is Scott McGee. I'm a family man, friend, thinker, and a peaceful warrior with an open mind and unconquerable soul. Now, that opening was from Pima Chodron, who is an American Tibetan Buddhist, who, from her book, uh, Practicing Peace in Times of War. And I actually got that from Mary Beth's blog entitled On True Love and Uncertainty. Maddie Porter, welcome. Thank you. Now, we talked about before the show started how to introduce you and what your background is. And I believe you said what? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you asked if I was a sailor. Yes, a sailor. Yes, my, my guest is a sailor today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of true, though. You've had all kinds of different careers and backgrounds. and That's true. You're not necessarily like an easy person to describe in one sentence. I hope not. Biggest one, though, recently is father. Yeah. Dad. Dad. Father. Big Papa. There's a difference, though, between, be, between being a father or a parent and a dad. True. You know, maybe it's semantics, but, you know, anyone can father children, but it's different, takes a different type of character to be a dad. 100%. Now, before we even jump into that part, um, I've known Maddie, what, how long? 10 years? Yeah. Uh, nine? Nine years. Yeah. 2009, 2010. Back in the OG days where people like you and I might have been good in CrossFit. For, for, a, for a fleeting moment. There was a, there was, yeah, before anyone else figured out what it was. <laughs> yeah. When like the, the less than 1% of the people doing fitness knew about it. Or we were good at certain things. Like if you were strong, you were good. If you were fast, you were good. If you were flexible, you were good. But there weren't many people that were good at all three. Yeah, that's true. But there is something about uh, the, the CrossFit community and people that train there that ends up kind of building very strong relationships with the people involved in it. 100%. You know, it's not necessarily just CrossFit. I'm using CrossFit as an example in this specific case, but same thing goes for jujitsu or powerlifting or I'm sure even like a dodgeball leagues. Anytime yeah. there's a group of people going through a struggle and coming together to try and prove themselves, eventually develops a, a you know a type of bond. It's almost like I almost compare it to if you spend a certain amount of time in a CrossFit gym, at least in a gym where the community is valued, 
that the type of relationship you have at that point, it's almost like you grew up with that person. You know, like if you bump into a kid you grew up, you saw as a kid or you grew up as a kid, you always had that relationship. 100%. It's your tribe. Nailed it. You spend uncounted amount of time doing something over and over again. Most of it is positive encouragement, except for when you're jibbing and jabbing and yeah. giving each other a hard time, but that's still fun. Yeah. Uh, you eat a certain way, you dress a certain way, you complain a certain way, you recover a certain way, and it's the same as everyone else around you. Do you think now that moving forward, you have that kind of relationship or can relate differently to fathers and dads? Um, yeah, I'm part of a new tribe now, right? Like, yep. it's, uh, it's something that I've always waited for that moment because I've had a lot of friends, right? And I'll be 42 this year. This is my first go at being a, a dad. You don't look a day past 36. <laughs> so I'll be 42 this year and I have a lot of friends my age, older, younger, have one, two, three kids. And that was every time we were all together, I was the one that did not have that same bond that others do. Like one of my best friends out in Colorado, um, he's got a kid, he's one of my best friends, but now we have something that brings us even closer. We're both dads. So and, to, and, and to further explain that, and part of the reason, I mean, you were gonna come on the show no matter what, but now it's just even that much more powerful. And that is that you and your wife are currently fostering a one month old ish. Are we at one month yet? Uh, this Saturday will be six weeks, six weeks. So that's like a tiny, tiny little human. Yeah. And for the, for this show and what you'll see on social media, we're going to be re referring to the baby as baby a, uh, in order to protect the baby's identity and a little bit more on that side note. Whenever I, I, uh, I say baby a, or I see it, I think of BB eight. <laughs> and so like baby a, BB eight, you know, BB eight from star Wars. And so, uh, a little side note, I have it, I have it staged here, but I want to send you guys this, this BB-8 onesie oh, for baby awesome. Yeah, that's great. I, so I just showed him, I have him up, up on Amazon. I just need to get your address so I can get it sent to you guys. So, um, how's it been? Leading up to right now or since it's happened? I mean, it's, uh, it's been the most incredible roller coaster ride of every emotion um, from being afraid to not being able to hold back tears of joy. Um, being a dad is something I've waited a long time to do. Being a parent with my wife, I could not have expected that part of our relationship too. I, I didn't know how that was going to feel, right? You have your partner, you have the person that you're supposed to be with, that you're meant to be with. You date them, you court them, you get married to them. Then you realize you're with them the rest of your life. And then there's this new part that comes in and it changes everything that you've done up until that point. Do you feel that it's almost like a, now you know why you guys have been brought together. Yeah. And, and we can talk about like the process as to why we're fostering to adopt and how this speaks so 
clearly to us as to our path for now on how we're being parents. I think, um, man, first of all, before I even step further, I'm really proud of you, man. Thank you. I also commend you guys because it's one thing having kids, right? It's one thin thing raising a, a kid that is, you know, your own DNA or flesh and blood. I don't want to say that makes things easier because I don't know. It stops me from killing my kids sometimes. <laughs> but I want to say that's like, it's, it's easier. It's, it's part of you. It's yours. But taking a kid that needs to be and deserves to be in an environment full of love that is kind of like possibly a lost soul or in an environment that might not be able to thrive and to be able to find two people like you is such like a, it's such a high level of service to me that I have a hard time finding the words for it. Yeah, it's weird. It's um, because I, I I hear it regularly and I understand it, but in the shoes that I'm in, like vocabulary and language has become really I've become really sensitive to it. Certain words, how we refer to what we're doing, um, mostly how I perceive the language that people around us use in talking to us about it. You know, um, and this process has made it very clear that we were meant to be parents. We are parenting and this is our child. It just, you know, it's nature versus nurture. Um, she didn't birth this child, but there's no difference in our relationship with this child. Now, there's a lot more that goes into that because of the legality, the circumstances, mm -hmm. the what ifs that we like to talk about. Um, but regardless, this is my son. You know, Mary Beth was asking me the other day how I'll advocate for the foster care program. And it's really important for me to do so. But I have this hard time identifying my son or labeling him a foster son no matter what in however this plays out if he's reunified with his bio family or if we get the honor to adopt him and make him our son this is my first son he'll always be my first so, something I, I want to point out and I, and I posted this on the social media and I really sincerely agree with this. And that is, you know, bio, adoptive, foster, or step, that it's not the word that comes before the word parent. You know, it's not bio parent, adoptive parent, foster parent that matters. It's the love and dedication in the parent's heart and what you actually do while raising a child. Yeah, it's, it, exactly. It's, it's, um, it's what you do as a parent. I think this is... Um, Maybe a good time, and if it's okay with you, that your wife uh, wrote on her blog uh, entitled On Becoming Real, My Not-So-Conventional Journey to Mamahood. Yeah. And since this is a, an interesting platform that we have here on this podcast, it's not, I can direct people places to go look at things. 
but you know, I, I've talked about this before, but we sit here and we talk into these little metal things in front of us and these little wires go into this little box over here and then it uploads to the interwebs and wherever that, whatever that means, it goes out into the universe and is discoverable, right? And it's discoverable the day it comes out and then forever. And yeah. so I, I, you know, you've listened to it and you, you know how careful I am with my words here. And if I'm not sure what to say, I'll take a minute or I'll pause to say it because an 18, 20, 25 year old baby A is going to be listening to this. It's all discoverable down the line. Yeah. And so that's why I think it's, I think it'd be cool if you don't mind reading this. So we kind of like memorialize the moment. All right. Sure. And this will give everyone an idea of, yeah, of where we came from. So these are the words from your wife, Mary Beth LaRue. Yep. On December 12, 2017, she wrote, I'm becoming real, my not-so-conventional journey to mamahood. I was never sure if I was meant to be a mama. Actually, that's an understatement. I felt immense doubt around motherhood. I cried in a lot of hotel rooms when my best friend and I would travel for work. I don't know why. If I'm ready, I'd say tears running down my face. I don't know if I want to. She'd hug me and say, then don't. Don't get me wrong, I love my friends, babies, to the moon. I love my friends, round bellies, and ability to eat all the nachos. I even thought decorating a nursery would be fun, but the rest of it, I was unsure. I closed my eyes during vision meditations where I was supposed to see my life, and I just couldn't see it, whatever it was. That was challenging when at least half the room experienced major waterworks talking about their perfect baby, and my best friend pictured her three flannel-clad children submitting, summoning a mountain. That being said, after a few years of marriage, my big bearded honey of a husband who was so meant to be a dad and had talked about it even on our second date, and I started to try. Uh, we are in love, but we are kind of lazy to, together too, so it was not exactly a peeing on sticks and sex around the clock kind of gal. I figure if it was supposed to happen, it would, and I trust that the universe had my back on this one. We tried. We kept trying. I bought some of those sticks, I peed on them, I took vitamins, still nothing. Okay, universe, I know I said I was unsure, but now I'm kind of pissed. Fast forward to this past spring, I'm in some stupid outfit that I think is mom-like. I'm in a stuffy doctor's office with my husband and clutching his hands for dear life. It's a fertility center, and I don't like anything about it. After many tests, the doctor told us that there was a chance we could get pregnant, but it was pretty small. He immediately ushered us into an even smaller, even stuffier room, to show off pamphlets about IVF and other means to becoming pregnant. He told us that he could begin these fertility treatments as soon as next week. Not even five minutes later, a woman shows up with another folder of paperwork about how to pay for said IVF. I was overwhelmed and in tears. We hadn't been trying that long. We hadn't even seen a naturopath. We left. Matt drove us to our favorite ice cream shop, and we sat outside eating massive cones at 2 p.m. I looked at him and said, should we just say fuck it and move to Bali? Just the two of us? He looked at me and shrugged. Maybe, he said. The further we got away from that office, the more I realized this was not how I wanted to grow my family. But something else had started to bloom in me, that I was actually meant to be a mother. Matt and I were on a walk on a Saturday afternoon when I asked him, what do you think about adoption? He looked at me with big eyes and said, I think it's beautiful. I smiled, yeah, me too. Really beautiful. I noticed the way adoption made me feel in my body, vulnerable but open, soft but sweet, strong yet tender. It made me feel the way I do when I see my dad's eyes crinkle up with laughter, 
the way I feel when I'm really connected to others, sometimes in yoga, in yoga classes, sometimes at church when visiting my parents, sometimes in nature. I felt it in my bones and knew it to be true. For me, for us, for this little human out there, I could close my eyes and picture every curve of their sweet little face, picture the moment the car drove up and a social worker placed his baby in my arms. I didn't feel this way when I thought about the other ways of becoming a mom. To be completely and utterly honest, I didn't even feel that way when I thought about myself as pregnant. It felt right, like soulmate right, and it made sense to me why I couldn't picture it before. I was trying to picture that someone, what someone else's version of motherhood and family looked like and Photoshop my face on a dream. Life happens like that. It's so easy to feel when something is wrong, when something is not for us, not ours. And it's also so easy to stay in that place of lack, of not ours, of feeling empty. That day in the doctor's office was a gift as it opened up another path full of possibility and heart-opening transformation. Thank God we kept asking the questions. Thank God I kept feeling the word mama in my body. Thank God for a partner who was willing to ask the questions too. There was no trying anymore, no struggle or effort. Everything that happens before brought us to the clearest moment. This, this is how we were meant to be parents. Fast forward to a few weeks later, we've met with a student of mine who was a foster adoption lawyer. She had been coming to my classes for years, front row, front and center. Because life is like that and will, and will not let you miss the important people that will change everything for you. We've talked to parents who have adopted privately. We've talked with parents who have foster adopted. We've met with foster adoption agencies. We've made a big, scary, beautiful decision. We are going to become parents through the foster system of Los Angeles. They tell you that in the foster to adopt world, there are no guarantees. They tell you this and they tell you again, and then they will have you talk to other foster parents who tell you there are no guarantees. You open up your home and a little heartbeat comes inside and there is no knowing if it will be forever. That being said, I've been hard pressed to find anything that is absolutely 100% guaranteed in life. I found peace in this. Matt and I are strong, that our home can hold this level of uncertainty in the floors and in our hands. The whole point is to love, provide safety, and what an honor to do so. I handed a nurse, a nurse my foster parent paperwork at a physical I needed to get certified for. She looked at my paperwork, looked up and said, I'm sorry. Excuse me, I said. Can you not get pregnant, she asked. This is the first of many insensitive comments I've heard and will continue to hear. I'm sure, but they pale in comparison to the amount of support we've received. And I looked that nurse square in the eyes and I said, I think he meant congratulations, not sorry. This is exactly what we want to do and exactly how we want to become parents. I meant every single word. That brings us to, us to today. We filled out mountains of paperwork. We've delved into our past and talked about our future. We've completed weeks of classes and met the most amazing future parents and social workers. We've learned about burn marks and trauma and what and what will be asked of us. We've baby-proofed our home, and in a few days or weeks, we'll receive a phone call, and we will say yes. We'll be parents. To our forever baby? Maybe. But no matter what, we'll love up this little angel with all we have. In our trading with extraordinary families, a social worker explains that as an adult, the law should fall on us. These babies, these children, have experienced enough trauma and pain in their short lives we are adults and we have cob cobbled together tools and coping mechanisms. We have family, we have friends, we have a yoga practice. Are we scared? Of course. Is it risky? For our hearts, for sure. But damn, if this isn't the point, then what is? I was born for this, we were, and I can't wait to walk alongside you on this journey, my love.
a couple of things come to mind. Number one, I'm really touched by her vulnerability, right? And the way she puts it out there. And it's what I've talked about on the show a lot. And that vulnerability is strength. And that strength is a choice. And you guys have nailed it. Another thing I... It's, vulnerability is like real honesty. It is. Right? Like in this platform, you're sitting in front of a microphone or one other person. You can get away with a lot. It's those that are willing to tear open, Mm -hmm. get to the real grit, the dirt, the good stuff. And where does that start? Right. How you're raised. It also, I mean, even deeper, it starts with, with you, right? You need to really understand and evaluate and know yourself. And that's what, that's obviously that sign that I talked about before behind me. Temenoske in Latin, know, know thyself. Uh, a couple of things that she said that stood out to me is the unknown, right? You don't know if you're going to have baby A tomorrow. You don't know if it's... The what ifs. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing about that. It's an unknown, right? A forever baby. It, and this is a kind of like what I'd like to echo with people. It's the same regardless of if the baby is genetically yours or not. Each day is like a gift. Each day is a blessing because everything can be gone the next day. Everything can be gone the next moment. And I'm not saying it, it could be the legal system. It could also just, it could be a car accident. Yeah. And so there, it's a, you know, the, and the words that came up in there was love and providing safety and gratitude and to take a little bit more. And that is a reminder to really, really live and love on purpose immediately and whatever you have going now, because nothing's guaranteed. And having that understanding makes you really appreciate and give your all to yourself and your family members. Yeah. So... I guess um, something that Mary Beth and I talk about all the time, have talked about and continue to talk about is the biggest what if, and that is, will baby A become our forever baby? And just to give some of the listeners a little background, because we are fostering to adopt. We're considered a resource family now. The states kind of change the language that they use. We are here to fill this gap in the state size, the best case scenario for the child is reunification to a bio mom or dad, family member, grandmother, aunt, um, someone that they are blood related to. So we are a resource to help facilitate that. And my biggest struggle has always been our best case scenario for a forever baby has to start with a worst case scenario for this child and in the beginning you go through this process like we're going through a an faa a foster adoption agency called extraordinary families so they act like a private agency it's a non-for-profit private agent non-for-profit that acts like a private agency on behalf of us so like an immediate they 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 work between us and dcfs Is is that the extraordinary families yeah okay and they prepare you. You take these classes, um, six weeks of classes every Saturday. There's an online 
foster adoption college that you do. Uh, it's like 20 plus hours. Uh, you get CPR and first aid certified. And all my friends that are parents are like, we've done more preparation to becoming a parent than they ever could have. Even I didn't. I don't want to interrupt you because I, I don't like to do that. Yeah. But since you brought it up, they really need to have that from for like everyone. Everyone. <laughs> it's the, it, it, it's you true. You go through a course to drive a car, but you don't need anything to raise a human. Exactly. Check. And in this, you learn some some hard things of what people are capable of doing out there. The one thing that stuck with me through all of it is my new understanding of the term empathy. Right? Like all these kids, these 20,000 plus kids that are in the, in the system, so to speak in LA County alone that have been removed for one reason or another from their families, the upwards of the, the numbers are something like 12 to 17,000 phone calls a month are made to DCFS for investigations to be started. And they can only dismiss like two to 3,000 of them right off the call, but there's still 12,000 plus yep. investigations that need to be made. Child abuse, drug abuse, domestic violence, uh, gang, you name it. Uh, and cut a little bit deeper, sexual abuse. Sexual abuse. And so as a soon-to-be parent, you have to sit through these classes and learn because they also don't know who you're going to be placed with, what age, right? Like there's newborn to 18. And one of the beautiful things I found through the process was that there's someone out there looking for someone. Um, doing an orientation that I went to because I couldn't wait for Mary Beth to be home from a trip. So I went on a first orientation by myself. Um, and then we went on the second one together. It was in a room and you have these questions in your head. Like, how do you say no to any child when you're in the situation that, that we're in? And there's someone, they, they ask, they go around the room, like, well, what are you looking for? It felt kind of weird to say what you're looking for. But then you hear someone, someone say, well, we have, we have an eight-year-old at home and he really wants a younger sister. So we're looking for that like five to seven year old range. And I'm like, Oh wow, there's a five or seven year old out there. That's going to find this family. And then there's someone that says, um, you know, we have a special needs. We have two special needs kids and we'd like a third. We want to help. Wow. And, and like, they're like, Oh, there's this person. There was a, there was an older woman, um, there that said, you know, are there kids available? Are there kids in the program in the system that are, 15, 16. Yes. Are there 15 or 16 year olds that are in the system that are pregnant and need someone? And it's like, wow. Like that opens up a whole other conversation because you're fostering the 16 year old. You're not fostering the baby, but there are people that want to step up to the plate and play these role models, mentors, parents. Um, Dude. So incredible humans. It's unbelievable what's out there. But at the same time, you're also learning that these, these kids, these children are coming from such a adverse background. For the most part, it's nothing like any conversation anyone that's probably listening has had with a family or friend. And I'm sure a lot have as well. But there's this idea, you just don't think about these things, about the sexual abuse, about the physical abuse, about the violence that they're exposed to. And the role that you have to then play when this 
when this gift comes to you? It's, you know, um, I don't want to like overwhelm with like, obviously the amount of stuff that I've seen just in the course of the day job. Yeah. And hey, we have a, a fan in the audience and this is my, my big old dog. But uh, you, I, I can tell stories of, of that's like beyond what a good person can imagine and the ugliness of life that's out there all the time. And all because these these uh, Department of of Child and Family Services DCFS these yeah. allegations come down through the police department, land on our desk, and then we have to go out and investigate. And that happens all the time. So we're constantly going to accusations. Sometimes it's like I don't know, like a five year old was mad and said something but didn't mean it. Who knows? But all the way to the absolute most the stuff that like. I want, I want to like shred the paper up and cry and smash the skull at the same time. It's a, it's a terrible, terrible feeling. But as much as like there's the ugliness out there, at the same time, there's always the good that rises up to meet it. There's this balance, right? And I think I talked about on this on the last episode, you're saying for the best option for you guys to happen, the worst thing has to happen on the biological side. Yeah. But that's kind of like how I think sometimes how nature is. And that is, and I talked, gave the example of, of what kind of beauty grows out of dirt. Yeah. And how that beauty needs the dirt to grow and to, to grow its roots and to hold on to so it can flourish. Yeah. It's, um, you know, circling back to, I apologize for the long winded, response that I went into like that. What if though? Right. So that, that worst case scenario is our best case scenario. And the question that we get the most is, well, how do what do you do if that best case scenario for the child in the state size happens? If he is reunified with bio. And, um, I had a conversation with one of my, my good buddies. And I said to him, it was like, from the moment we met baby a, this was my son. And if I had to experience that loss, it, it's, a, it's a loss. Like my son would be taken away from me um, and reunified with his bio family. My wife and I have had this conversation regularly that if that's the role we were meant to play, because we were with a child that, we, that found us at seven days, the role that we get to play right now in the development and in, in, in loving and caring and like it is the most unbelievable experience that we could imagine. And it will be the hardest thing in the world should that happen to us, but we can at least take from it that we were able to give the amount of love that we have to someone that would not have had it. And it hit us really hard, I think probably like a week after, because when we went to the hospital, we walked into this room, this nursery, there's all these plastic bins around and there's one little baby in a plastic bin with a heat lamp over it and nurse off to the side. He's just there. And Mary Beth walks over and says, uh, where are all the other babies? And the nurse looks up and says, with their moms. 
and it kind of sinks in and it's like, oh, like this, this little baby's been here for seven days of his life, not being held 24 seven, being looked after. Mm-hmm. There's bright lights on, there's noises, it's a hospital, there's nurses coming and going and you can tell they care for him, but it's not the same. Mm-hmm. But the second you put your, this child's put in your hands and you're now referred to as your mommy, your daddy, like this, this flood of emotion and, you know, responsibility that happens the same way that it happened for you when you were in a hospital room, you know, like that's, that's where I knew right then and there that there is nurture versus nature is, is the same in my eyes. Mm -hmm. That's my son. That's a crazy moment, man. Cause and it's, I think it's kind of hard for someone to relate to that haven't necessarily had that with a, with a such a fresh, brand new little human. Yeah. And then being responsible to raising this little soul and giving that little soul every opportunity to thrive and learn and be an environment to become what the baby's supposed to become. Such like a, and maybe one day out there and hopefully Maybe somebody out there listening to this is going to consider fostering. We'll see. It, yeah, I hope so. The actually, I have some some numbers here while I'm staring at them. The average, and this is from extraordinaryfamilies.org, and it says here that the average age is 8.7 for yeah. fostering, and that there's 415,129 children that live in foster care in the country, and that's a, uh, approximately the population of Oakland, California. Yeah. Uh, 20 months is the average length of stay there. There's over 100,000 children are waiting to be adopted and over 20,000 youth will age out of foster care. Yeah. One in five of those 20,000 will be homeless after 18 and one in four will experience PTSD. So before I forget, if you go to extraordinaryfamilies.org, you can make a donation there to help them out. It's a nonprofit, but you support the extraordinary families. You can make a little donation um, at a minimum. Check that out. And then there's something to be said for the people that work in this in this field. Also, I mean, our experience with extraordinary families these these humans will be very very close to our hearts and to our family for the rest of our lives. These are true angels uh, out there. And it's just unfortunate that even with DCFS, these are amazing people that work there. It's just, it's an epidemic. There's, there are not enough people that do social work. Yep. It's a, it's an unsung hero yeah. profession. These are people that have to deal with the hard every day. Yep. Coupled with that, and we kind of talked about this earlier with um, outside of my profession in dealing with the worst parts of human behavior, but personally going through some some really heavy stuff. But going through the heavy stuff is also a lesson in appreciation and gratitude, and you also get to see the beauty. Yeah. If you don't actually get out and love, then you're not going to have 
that appreciation and gratitude for life. And when you guys are talking about, and we can kind of shift here to raising a child, putting in the work, getting dirty, maybe getting peed on. I'm not sure if you're there yet. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but you guys are actually in the arena, right? It's kind of like my Teddy Roosevelt man in the arena up here. You guys are the ones getting sweaty and dirty. You're in the arena doing the work. But like I, I think from the nurse, from the blog post, there are the people on the outside not doing the work, looking in and judging and possibly looking on with pity, like the nurse, oh, what, you can't get pregnant? Or, oh, that's not your child. Or, oh, you're going to lose the child. Or all these negative little things that they might not realize, but they're sitting there with the judgment. And so I just want to say to both of you, None of that matters because what matters is the amount of love and dedication that you're giving to that child now. Yeah. That's what matters. Yeah. And, you know, going into it, I think, you know me, right? Like my personality. Um, I had this idea that I was ready for all the incense, like how I was going to respond, how I was going to put the person that would make the stupid comment in their place. And then I, and then I realized that it was a, it's more of an opportunity for me to, as delicately as possible, which is coming up on a first for me, um, use it as an opportunity to, to educate. Absolutely. Right? Good. Um, I think it goes a lot further than for as uncomfortable of a situation someone might create, a complete stranger, um, asking questions like, uh, well, don't you want your own children? the response to that can go one of two ways and we've turned it into this is our own children, you know? Yeah. That's the initial, the initial human reaction is right. Is generally defensive. Yeah. It's, it's weird, but it's not only the, the, the reaction is defensive, but also I don't want to say it's all the time this happens, but more often than not, you don't get the positive of if the baby looks different than you, you know, like, still oh what a beautiful baby this and that like there's and it, it, there's this uh people ask why they don't understand it and they don't think about what the next thing that comes out of their mouth is and it's of you know oh was the was the mom on drugs or you know did they come from a gang it's like where does how does this how is this how you want to you don't know me and how are these the questions you want to ask i'm very lucky because of the community that my wife and i put around us those are the people that support us and ask all the great questions and, and give all the, the amazing support that we never could have even imagined would come our way. But it's out in the public when you're walking in a supermarket or you're at a coffee shop, the things that yep. people like the question isn't always like, Oh, that's amazing. Or you must be doing this or just thinking. And now I'm constantly in a, not well, a defensive position, but a, an opportunity to teach. Yeah, that's my point. I was going to say is that you you're almost raising from two ends. You're raising a baby and you're raising that person's yeah you know uh, um, perspective and changing because obviously when people say stuff, it's a reflection of them more than it's a reflection of you. Yeah, and so a lot of times when people say something mean, it means they're hurting. And so if you can like, and this goes for all people. You guys have have taken that step already, but. If you can understand that about yourself and understand that to try and take like a little second and let that initial defensive 
mean wanting to snap or bite back that emotion, just understand that that's going to, you know, pain causes more pain. Yeah. Darkness, more darkness. And so if you, if you have like a, a walk, if you walk around with a sense of gratitude, if you walk around with a sense of you can learn from every person that comes up to you is better than you in some form or fashion. So you have a little bit of humility and a, the power of forgiveness, which I talked about in the episode, strength to love. If you, if you lack the power of forgiveness, you lack the power of love. And so you can let this person say this information in any situation that you're, you come across, not necessarily um, this specific one, but then use that as an opportunity to build up, build them up and build up your relationship. Cause that, that might, you might say something to that person and some trickle down through the rest of their life. Yep. And so now you have this moment of, I can answer this with some mean spewing stuff, or I can give this person a little bit of love and it might trickle down to someone that they love. Yeah. Can you, um, I mean, best you can explain the process. So from the moment that you like kind of have like this flickering thought up, oh, we want to foster to adopt. Yeah. Um, You know, as Mary Beth said in, in, her, in her first blog post about all this, um, we were trying to get pregnant and it just wasn't happening. Um, so we went and went to a fertility clinic just to get some numbers and see what are the odds. And it's not that we can't, it just isn't happening as easily. And it just seems like more and more you hear like this is a common thing, right? Like more people are just going, oh, you can't get pregnant naturally, so here's this alternative route. It's not that you can't get pregnant naturally, there's just a lot of work that goes into it. It's not as easy as it, as it does seem. Um, Which by the way, I find that to be really strange because some of the, like, the best people that I know, it's really hard for them to have kids naturally. Yeah, and maybe that's part of the path, right? Yeah, like yeah. It's, it's part of the process. It's. This is, I, I truly believe her words where she knew I wanted to be a dad. She knew her dad wanted to be a grandfather and she wanted that for us, but I don't think she wanted it for her that way. And going through this process, um, something that we had always talked about, you know, just fleeting like, oh, at some point in our lives, yeah, of course we should adopt. That sounds like a really nice thing to do. And when it became an option, the end of that conversation, she looked different. And I knew that this is how we were going to be parents. Like, and this, I, she came across so much more maternal. As soon as we had shifted um, the direction of how we were going to become parents, you know, what that process was going to look like. And then all the puzzle pieces started to fall in place. You know, this student that she talks about, who's a very close friend of ours, had real, really no idea what she did. And as it turns out, she's a foster to adopt attorney. So she pointed us in, in another direction after we had made a decision like of something we wanted to explore but knew nothing about it, right? Like you have a computer so you can start Googling and that will lead you down some, some real rabbit holes. Um, then we went and met with um, the president, the CEO at Extraordinary Families. and had So a, was that the first, did, did she bring up that particular nonprofit? Yeah. Okay. Um, 
Because in the state of California, there is no more private adoption. And what we've learned through the process that the kids that are available through the foster care program are the same kids that essentially you would find through adoption. Um, so we went there and we left with the, like, again, walked out of a meeting at extraordinary families and looked at each other and was like, this is what we're doing. This is unbelievable. How fast can we start this process? And that's where like Mary Beth already had travel and I already had travel and there was one orientation a month and the next orientation, she was out of town and I was like, I'm going, (laughs) I've got to do this. And then I'll go with you on the second one as well. And so two months, you know, two orientations later, um, there were classes every Saturday, four hours. And you walk into this room nervous as the most nervous I think I've ever been sweaty palms hand in hand. And there's all these other people that are doing the same exact thing that we are and have the same reasons and different reasons, uh, for doing it. But the, the, the purpose that they're there is to become a parent through this program and fostering to adopt is an incredible journey. Like you start off where there's videos and classroom work and questions. And then, you know, each week has a different theme. You learn about language, you learn about the things you have to recognize because they don't know if you're getting a newborn or if you're getting an eight year old and how you'll deal with a newborn that's been removed will be completely different than that four or five year old that yeah, that was removed. Right. And the PTSD that you talked about, the things that the triggers, how you, the language that you use, the parenting skills that you'll use, the way that, um, your discipline is different because you don't know. You only have as much information that's available when you make your decision. Um, right. Like, yep. So, so you go into so the classes and then once you get through the classes and meetings, I mean, are people coming? There, so there's, there's classrooms, there's online classes that you have to pass. There's, uh, interviews together, separate, there's home inspections. There are stacks and stacks and stacks of paperwork. There's a live scan. There's fingerprinting. There's, um, you have to get a physical, you have to get first aid and CPR certified. And when all of that's done and they stamp your approved, then you wait. Then. So how, how long between you guys, when you guys got the stamp to when you got a call? Six and a half, seven months. Oh, wow. Now in between that, are you. There's no more things that you're actually doing other than... Uh, I flipped my office in the house into a baby room that was good for newborn to three. Okay, so that that was going to be one of my questions is like, can you... And you, I'm assuming you guys selected as young as possible? No, so in those interviews, in that paperwork that you fill out, in those the conversations you have about how you were raised and the type of family that you have and what you think your social workers working with you on who they think is going to be the best fit for you as you're working through what we think would be the best fit for us as well. Then when the phone calls, you know, like in your final interview, it's like, okay, what age group are you specifically looking for? We're in a different circumstance than say someone that has a 10 year old and a 12 year old already that's looking for a sibling for them. And we originally had thought like eight or nine months to a year and a half. And our social worker was like, great newborn to three. (laughs) And, we left with our certificate of approval 
um, or certificate of foster care approval. And you'll wait for phone calls. You'll get phone calls Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. in the morning until 4 o'clock in the afternoon. If you don't get one in between that time period, you wait till the next day. So Were you like checking your phone every day? Yeah, it was nuts. <laughs> it was, did, you get, did you ever get like a call? You didn't recognize a number and not be able to answer it? Yeah. It, I mean, it, it, it really is one of the most nerve wracking. And then at the same time, it's like, well, but you have these other responsibilities. You have life that yeah, you have to yeah. take care of. So um, that was happening. And it was a Tuesday. It was like December 20th. Tuesday, December 20th. I was working in my kitchen. And Mary Beth was going to see a private client in Venice. She looked at me and she's like, I don't know, are you feeling it today? I was like, no. I was like, go teach the class. And then, you know, like, I don't think it's going to happen before Christmas type conversation. And she's like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have that feeling. Because all the other days where we thought we had those feelings, it wasn't the day. And this was yeah. the first day we had the conversation. Be like, oh, we don't have that feeling. Totally like artificial feelings. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, I'm getting the energy from the force of the universe. Yeah. It, <laughs> so 45 minutes later, I'm on a, on a call and she chimes in. I was like, hey, hold on. I click over and she's in like joyful hysterics. We got a call. There's a new boy. Like, can barely get the words. I'm like, are you are you pulled over? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so she she's in her car. Yeah, okay. she was in her car. She was pulled over, and uh, she was telling me, and I, she's like, I'm coming home. I was like, all right. And she came home, and we were waiting for another follow up call for both of us to be able to to learn as much as we can because it's kind of like the game of telephone, right? Like, yeah, hold, hold on, whoa, 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 stop. You heard the words that we're getting a baby. Yeah. Right there. Is your stomach falling onto the floor? Like, what are you thinking and feeling? Are you, do you immediately get up and start pacing? Well, because you're preparing yourself for these phone calls from all the conversations we've had with social workers and other parents that have gone through this process. And you don't necessarily say yes to the first phone call because it's the first phone call. And everyone that I had actually talked to, the child that they're with, that they're in the process of either adopting or they're, they're in the middle of fostering, was like the 10th phone call that they said yes because it seemed like the right fit so they get all right you can like you can do they tell you the information and and the information that you have is as good as the information they have so because there's a county social worker that's got information from a case that has called over to our faa who gets that information and then calls us. Dude. So did you guys consider saying no? Uh, Yes. Because what we were told is that there's a newborn baby, um, healthy. Seems like it would, it's going to work out long-term. And that's really like the information that we got. And my whole position was, but I thought we weren't supposed to say yes to the first phone call. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, you're, you're like, like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, literally like for the first time, I am not a loss for words. I don't know how to say yes. And all I want to do is scream. Yes. And then, and they're like, but you also don't in their eyes get this good of a scenario for what we want. And that long-term goal is a forever baby. So we say Yes. And then it's like, okay, cool. We'll call you back in 15 minutes with more information of the hospital of where you can go. We'll put in your information so that when you show up, they know who you are. 
and you can okay and you can go no, no. yeah i'm not letting you slide this easy because <laughs> you're telling me the story i'm get, i want to i want to walk around the room right now yeah it took mary beth 45 minutes to get home she gets home to me we get another phone call together this time and they're asking us is is this a yes or a no do you want to go meet baby a and i mean are you guys we, in tears mary beth's in hysteric i'm in shock like in my head, I'm like, oh man, like I'm going through all first time dad emotions. Um, the car seat's still in the box in the garage. I, I've yeah. not even looked at the instruction booklet as to how to put it into the car. Like I, I'm like, it's, yeah. like, that's what I'm dealing with. Like, are we, wait a minute. All right. We've got the dog downstairs. Um, this is a newborn. We totally weren't expecting a newborn. I have to figure out how to get the car seat out of the box out of the plastic bag in the box these were these were the real things that i was yeah, dealing yeah. with at the same time i'm looking at my wife and just seeing her like we're having a baby kind of dude is she like floating at this point in time yeah i'm um, glowing floating crying all joy at the same time we have to we have this unfortunate other emotion which is we don't know if this is forever and we don't know anything more than there's a baby boy that's seven days old in a hospital waiting for us to show up. Wow. So I was able to figure out the car seat part. And, Much easier than expected, right? Yeah. And the drive over is just like sweaty palms. I don't remember what we said. Like it's weird. Like like the mind is running a million yeah. miles per hour. It's all kind of just like, you know, like you're, you just see lights, and we get there and super ner- parked. We're having the conversation like, sh- should we bring the car seat in? Like, should we leave it here? And I was like, well, I can always come back out and get it. You're like you know, like yeah, just yeah. filling air with words that weren't really making sense. Like, okay, walk, and then. <laughs> I'm here for my baby. Yeah. <laughs> Walk into one hot, one section of the hospital, which is no, this isn't the right part. And then you go outside and you're literally standing in front of the sign that has like the flashing lights that said where we should have gone. We go there. And then the, I think one of the really cool things was, is you go in and you have like this name that you're given and it's not a real name that you have to ask for. And you tell them that you're the foster parents. Uh, here and the security guard that was checking us in was like the first person that was just like, wow, this is amazing. Like this, like the first positive words of encouragement that we got from a complete stranger was coming from the security guard that was like filling out our name tags and was just like glowing and knowing that that baby that's been there has got someone coming for it. And we got walked in to this room and it was, you know, what I said earlier, a room full of empty bins, except for one, with a baby underneath a heat lamp and a nurse over in the corner. And she looked at us and said, Oh, are you baby A's parents? And I, I don't think it like clicked at, f- at first. And then it was like, yeah, we're, we're here. We're here for him. And, wow. and this baby was handed to Mary Beth. And I mean, I was crying. She was crying this at that moment. I realized the weight of the world that was just handed to me, that, that, that load of responsibility. And I immediately started having those conversations in my head of what it's going to be like at every stage of his life. 
you know, the first time I held him and he's so tiny in my arms, you know, <laughs> I mean, he was like, <laughs> had you, had you had held a, a baby that small before? Uh, yes, but there, he wasn't, that, yeah. that baby wasn't mine. Yeah. Like, it, like I was holding someone else's, yeah, they, yeah. this from the first moment I recognized this as, as this is my son. It was, uh, I don't know, I, I get, you know, it's like this. Uh, and I think that was part of my, one of my biggest fears was not knowing what that was going to feel like given our circumstance. You know what? It, 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 it doesn't, let me hear how I, how I can say it. That moment can't be told to somebody. Yeah. You know, it's not like a, I know there's people listening that, that were trying to like, you know, you're doing a great job articulating what it's like, but to really, really understand the, the deep feelings, that is something that is reserved for a parent handed their child for the first time. Yeah. I actually happened to have all the stuff we went through with Connor and the moment, you know, we went through, you know, the six surgeries, entry yeah. and blood transfusions and the, the month long stay in the hospital and the six weeks in the, in the NICU, the moment where the baby was handed to Amanda, like that, those, that particular moment that we get to experience in life, it's nothing that you can necessarily articulate on a podcast. No. Yeah. And the, that feeling is, it's deep. It rocks you to mm -hmm. your core. And I think the other thing is, is it's uh, one of the most innocent moments you'll ever experience in life because you realize that you're holding something that is just like pure and innocent and has not been, has done nothing wrong and is just needs to be loved. And it's like, I think it's a lot of things that a lot of, you know, as men, we, we don't generally walk around like being big softies all the time. Right. It's just innately we're, I mean, you have for a long time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You're like, you're like it's a young Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, uh, that experience is just incredible. There's also a shift from being a child to being the parent. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've, I've said for a while that if you, if you don't have a kid, then you're still the kid and just in life. And then once you have a child, that you're taking care of, that's when you've changed. Now it's not. Now you're. Now it's about them. Yeah, like uh, I, I think um, the first time I posted about this, I, I don't, I don't use social media for myself more than I do for seeing what other people are up to, right? But I, I wanted to put something out there, and I've been a son. I've been a. I am a brother. I am a son. I am a brother. Uh, been the quote-unquote uncle to many. With Godfather, and this is the first time that I that new responsibility of being a dad, dude. It's the most important hat you'll ever wear. Yeah. Well, that being said, what is it? What does it mean to you to be a dad? Um. It's it's the most important role I'll ever play. It's my reindeer's feet. If you guys can hear them, bitter pattering. <laughs> it's um, 
now it it means so much more than I thought it was going to mean. Um, because it's a, uh, I I feel like this new. I I didn't know the level of responsibility that I was going to be uh, overwhelmed with, and that responsibility isn't just like oh you have to be responsible for this child. It's the responsibility of of finding the best in yourself and passing that along. You know, having known you guys, obviously I've known you. Um, we were a lot closer than I was with Mary Beth, or am, but. I, I know you both, and I've been saying this for a while, but like, and I'm going to say this with 100% accuracy. From my perspective, this is what you were always meant to do. Thank you. Whatever path that is, doesn't matter to me. You were always meant to be a parent and to raise a child. Yeah. So I feel like a little sense of like, um, satisfaction knowing that the the ability and the power that you guys have as parents there's an opportunity where that is actually happening now yeah so in a way I'm kind of like okay world we're stabilized we're good yeah and and so I'm happy there so if you had the opportunity right now what would you what would you say to a a 20 year old baby a Like in in the future, I'm telling you right now, twenty years from now, yeah, the conversations that I'm going to be having, um, I hope they're along the same lines of the conversations I'm having with them now, right? Like, it's funny because I've I've listened to all your podcasts and I've listened to you just talk in general for years, and I'm a I'm a firm believer in. Um, build, helping build the good in people. You know, like I talk to them and, I, and I, I tell them how excited I am to to grow with him and to see how strong he's going to become and not necessarily physically strong, but like what he'll be able to bear and who he'll be able to protect and who he'll be able to comfort. And I hope that we're talking about those same things and where I know we'll be talking about those same things in 20 years from now. Uh, you've probably heard me say that as, a, as obviously a kid that had parents that took care of them, that when I was able to tell my parents that thank you for one is a powerful thing. So I hope, I hope my little knuckleheads one day. Yeah. I teach them the, the the level of gratitude to be able to say thank you and realize that what they have isn't a privilege, it's earned, but also that they're strong enough to deal with life's adversities that come to them, right? You wanna, if you raise a human that can, let's just say a 20-year-old baby A comes up to you and is like, Dad, thank you for teaching me, I feel like I'm not afraid of what's going to happen to me. I just know that I'm strong enough to deal with it. Like as a parent. Yeah. Like, wow. Because obviously things are going to happen. You can't keep a kid in a bubble. No. My mom still gets, tells me to be safe and watch out when I go to the grocery store. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, mom, like the grocery store isn't the, the, 
is the least of my problems. Yeah. You know, but I tell them, like, I'm going to be safe. And if something, I'm going to be safe, mom. Like, I train hard. Yeah. But if something did, I'm okay. I'm good. I'll come back. I'm strong enough. And that kind of thing, man, is especially when raising a son as a, you know, this cultural, like, thing of being a protector and a provider right. and a nurturer. But also, along the lines of what I'm trying to do with this podcast is teaching us as dads or us as brothers, as friends is to not just be the tough guy, yeah. but also to, to have the power of love, to have the power of these open and honest conversations with each other. And seeing that in everyday life, right? Like I've never been one to step over someone on a street. I think it's really important that, um, my son learn and have empathy for everyone. Like you don't know what someone else's story is. Like, I don't like the term, um, you know, like, uh, it's really easy to talk about like, Oh, that guy's a bum. He's, he's homeless. He's this, he's that. And it's just like, Oh, you've, I've learned that we have no idea what their story is, why they are, where they are, where they're at. And what I have learned is for a lot of, people out there, they just didn't have the tools that I'm going to make sure my son does have. Like you can't blame. I don't know baby A's bio family's history and story. I don't know that they they didn't, but I do know that they probably weren't raised the way that I was or been given the opportunities that I was given. And I'm going to do my best job possible in giving every life lesson its opportunity, you know, uh, being there, leading, doing what I can to, to help him become the best version of himself. The other thing that's really cool, and no matter what happens, it's going to work out for you guys, right? Yeah. And every day you are actually asserting yourself at life. And you're asserting yourself at being a parent. Because, you know, there's a lot of days, man, that, you know, myself including, and I'm sure you and people listening, that there are, there's days where we're just kind of like, oh, today's Tuesday. Yeah. Instead of like, today's Tuesday. I'm going to assert myself at my job. I'm going to assert myself with my kids. This is a great opportunity for me to like love and enjoy the scenery that I can see with my own eyeballs that I can pick up a human that is, I'm depending on me and smell and have this opportunity to hold and feel the warmth. Yeah. You know, as opposed to, Oh, it's just Tuesday, whatever. Like even the things I see on social media, the whole, like, uh, uh, the whole problem that people have with Mondays, you know what I'm talking about? Like yeah. the, the memes and the things out there like, Oh, it's Monday. And then there's Wednesday. Right. Then, oh, like I people can't, are, but people are mad that it's TGIF. Monday. Yeah. But then I'm like, dude, if you're mad that whatever is your Monday is Monday, then change something in your life. Yeah. So you're excited about Monday. I wish more people were able to, take that step, right? To do what they're supposed to be doing, to find what they love, follow that path, 
and live that life. Yeah, man. That's a, that's a whole big um, topic, right? That's, yeah. Because a lot of people, again, going back to the, my, my sign behind here, I was that person for a while. After college, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I took, like a, I took personality courses at, at Santa Monica City College. I got personality books, career books. I took all those, like, all those different kinds of personality tests. Yeah. You know what they did? They were all right down the middle. It didn't help me at all. <laughs> but the process did. And then eventually you realize like, who you are and why, right? The whole thing about why. What makes you happy? And then find something and just do that. Because you don't have much time. Like You don't have time to not do what's making you happy. No, I mean, I, I do what makes me happy. My wife definitely does what makes her happy. And we're lucky enough to be surrounded by a lot of people that are on that path. Yeah, you, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. If you're doing something that you're happy doing and then you're good at doing it, you enter into like this total like flow state, right? It's yeah. like the best you. And it makes fun. It's fun. I keep saying, man, like money grows on trees. Yes, it does. You can grow it if you want to. And money comes and goes, but regret doesn't. And neither does youth. Youth kind of it just flies by. Yeah. Life flies by. And so to circle back to the point about you don't know what tomorrow holds, or you don't know. Yeah, the what ifs. You, but those what ifs are like is powerful. It, you can, you're using it for good because it oh, now yeah. do, like if you knew automatically, okay, this is our forever baby. Are you gonna have a little bit of relief? Tyson. There's going to be that little bit of relief, awesome relief, but then keeping in mind that the, the permanency isn't guaranteed, that might actually make, be making you guys tap in more and love that much harder. Yeah. Um, someone asked the other day, like, how do you, or I think it was on your, uh, the picture that you posted, right? Wasn't there a question? Um, or like, how do you, how do you not commit yourself fully or how do you commit yourself fully when you don't know? Oh, uh, first of all, uh, my girl, uh, Susie here, she said the best decision ever and can't imagine yeah. life without mine. Yeah. Uh, the comment, maybe you'll probably cover this, but how do you keep the faith when you have to return a foster child to their biological family? And know how much better the child would be in your care. Yeah. You know, that's, we've talked about that, that that's like, that's part of this process. And that's the big, what if that's the scariest part for us. But it, if anything, it has made us love harder. It has made us dive deeper into this relationship with our son. How are you? How are you finding strength through the vulnerability of being a new dad? My wife. We are, we are huge supports for each other in this process and friends. I couldn't, you know, it, it takes a village, right? Like, uh, and I tap into into you know into myself. You know, you have to dig deep, and you'd be surprised what you can find in there. And it's kind of like, all right, this is your shot. 
Dude, some of the the pictures that I've seen of Mary Beth holding the baby, I, I like I've seen moms holding babies before, and they're always like really powerful. Yeah. But the pictures, I've I've just, I found myself just sitting there like staring, as if like there's like an energy and soul that's three dimensional in the photo. Yeah. It's it's like that just sitting next to them. It's. I don't know. It's a beautiful experience, and I could not imagine doing this with anyone but her. We were meant to be together for this. This is where our relationship has come like full circle, right? Like, it now all makes complete sense. It always made sense. I always knew why. I always understood. But when this happened, it was like that finalized it. I just remember. Do you remember like one of your first dates? Yeah. I mean, I remember the first time I met her and the first time we were on a date and then the whole process behind What happened on that date? Oh, wait. Are you (laughs) you talking about the one? (laughs) I just remember this. I commandeered your vehicle? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty funny. We were driving through Santa Monica. God, what? And I honked at you. You, <laughs> you were tailing someone was, on foot. Yeah. In civvies. Oh, it's so funny. I got in the backseat of your car. And like, <laughs> told, me to, told me to go follow him. Yeah, and that's when I met Mary Beth. Yeah. That's hilarious. I, was, I remember sitting in the backseat behind her. Yeah. And you guys hooked me You up. were with someone else. Yeah. Oh, man, that is funny. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's crazy. I knew then. Dude, when you, when you even said and you brought her up then and who she was and... Even the way you sounded when you said you were going to go out with her. Like, I was never, I was like, I wasn't surprised. Yeah, I knew it. I, I, I knew it deep inside um, from the first date, we, the first real date we went on. That what, was I, the, uh, what was the wedding like? It's amazing. <laughs> I have to show you some pictures. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's an ongoing inside joke right there. Yeah. Um, would you say that was your proudest moment? In the hospital with baby A or? No, just in general. Yeah. I I found my true purpose. Like like I've come full circle. So our relationship has and I have. Like I'm finally doing what I've wanted to do or what I felt I was meant to do for a very long time. Being a dad, I think it's funny. We always talked about being parents and how we'd have one kid. We always talked one kid and girl for some reason. And when this process started, we started speaking in plurals and I started speaking boy out of nowhere. And that never was on my radar. And then things happen the way that they have. And now we're talking about like the second and third time we go through this process. And how big- Are you guys gonna end up with like six? The mixture of- (laughs) foster kids uh you have some of your own in there probably mixed in there and get them confused yeah which one's which yep but yeah that's what you guys are supposed to be doing there's no way you guys are that's this like rock solid superstar human beings thank you and not do what you're doing yeah and first of all let's give rosie some props here okay yeah and she's great yeah our english bulldog rosie is uh the best big sister he could ever ask for I've, I'll show you some of the pictures. It's incredible. Like they're not staged. She crawls over, 
lays down. If he's crying in his bassinet or in his like little pillow thing that he sits in, she comes over and licks his feet or his face until he stops crying or to one of us stop her from licking his feet or face. But, uh, it's a pretty incredible, um, experience being in this, uh, in this new parent role. How's the baby sleeping? Um, really, really good during the day. Yeah, of course. You know, especially like that block where I'm starting to get tired at like six, at six in the uh, evening from like six to 10. Now he's a rock star. He'll, he'll do a solid four. And then it's like two and a half, three hours at a go. And this is, this is actually something really interesting. That's pretty good. Yeah. This is an interesting part that I get to experience that a lot of um, bio dads don't. You're breastfeeding. Close. <laughs> I, no. Um, I have built this pretty incredible bond at times that other people just don't get that opportunity to. We're able to share a lot of the responsibilities. We share who has nights. One night she'll do it. One night I'll do it. It's a different, you know, it's, it's yep. uh, I get to feed him. I get to, you know, comfort him when he cries because he doesn't know just mom, which has been kind of special for me. You just said something I want to point out to people because it might have slipped by and people don't might not have caught it. And that is you said you get to. Not that you have to. Yeah. There's a big difference there. Yeah. You get to hold. You get to get up in the middle of the night. Yeah. Because that's this is an amazing opportunity that you get to do. And every day it's different. If I, you know, like I had to, I had to leave for four days for work and I came back and I missed a world of growth, you know, like week three to week four. It's unbelievable, right? Oh, like, let me, I'll just let you, one, we're lucky to have the technology that we have, like yeah. smartphones that you can just snap photos and like get, save them. Yeah. Luckily with both my kids, I have so many photos in here that I go back, but the acceleration in growth, right, between month to month is so impressive. But what I really want to point out, and it's not necessarily something you grab in photos, is the emotional growth, right? You might be teaching this baby, giving this baby a platform to one day be a parent. Yeah. You know, you have synapses and neurons growing, all these kinds of connections and stuff all being launched off of a platform of love. Yeah. So regardless of tomorrow or six months from now, either way or never, either way you're giving this baby a platform to jump off of that didn't, would not have happened without you guys. No. So man, much love and props to you guys. And, um, I definitely look forward to meeting baby a one day. Yeah. Soon. And then eventually boy a, yeah. And man, a man, a man, a, um, where can our, our, our listeners kind of check in and follow you guys. Is it through Mary Beth's blog? Yeah, her blog is the best way. She's, she's definitely the, the well-spoken, well-written She really voice. is fantastic. Yeah, she's an excellent writer. And can you tell them what, that, what it is? I think it's marybethlarue.com, .net. It's probably .com. One thing also with your, and I've, and I've, I've talked about this uh, before while I'm looking it up, is you said you're not really that active. You know, you look at other people's stuff on social media. Um, 
I'm sure with this podcast and with the blog post and maybe even the social media, you kind of have to be careful with certain things. Yeah. Like, you know, legal issues. But I tell this to every parent. I think you probably know what I'm going to say. Yeah. Right. But we're old school that way, though. Yes. Yeah. But start leaving like lessons out there. Yeah. Leaving little nuggets. Because just like the baby's not guaranteed, neither are you. Yeah. No, 100%. That, that I. It, it really sunk in, you know, um, your, your dad episode. I've, I've had that conversation multiple times with other dads, you know. Well, good. Well, thank you for checking that out. And yeah, of course. Help me out. Spread yeah. some words around here. I'll, I'll promote this. It's important. I like, um, I want to be an advocate for the process of what we're doing. Cause I want, I think one of the more important things also is I want people to know that there is another route and there's nothing to be like, there's no shame in not being able to have a son with your own DNA that all the feelings are the same. I can only imagine that they're the same because I can't imagine that anyone that has a bio son or daughter could love their child any more than I could love mine. And the experiences that you get, like don't not, don't not become a parent because you can't, because everyone can. And there's a lot of really, really special kids out there that are waiting for someone just like you that are listening to step into their lives and play that role. Dude, I'd never considered it and you got me thinking now. Don't tell Amanda. <laughs> so, uh, uh, marybethlarue.com is a blog. It's M-A-R-Y-B-E-T-H. Mary Beth, kind of common spelling, and then L-A-R-U-E.com. And I'll share links to this on the CCU way on the blog post for this podcast. And your Instagram handle is Matt underscore Aporta. Yeah. And then Mary Beth as well. I'll have all the links for the stuff on the CCUA.com for the links to this podcast episode. Maddie. Yeah. Love you, man. Love you. I'm really, dude, sincerely super proud of you. Thank you. And I really, I'm a man. I look up to you now. Thanks. I did before, but now it's a little, it's cause you're a little bigger than me. Yeah. You know, uh, you've been like a big brother to me, but now dude, I'm, I'm, I'm super proud and I'm proud to know you and, and thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be a part of this, uh, this dad tribe. And for those that you're listening, I hope you have an understanding of the gift that we all have. And you kind of tell someone next to you or near you that you appreciate them. Yeah. Uh, remember the power of forgiveness. Try not to bite back at people. Appreciate what you have. And know that you don't know everyone else's story. Yep. Where they come from, what they've gone through. And hopefully people listening to this will have a slightly different I'm sure they will, but a slightly different opinion or focus or thought process of what the foster or foster to adopt program is like. Yeah. And I'm also more than happy to have offline conversations with any and everyone that's interested in learning more about if so, that. If somebody wants to ask you questions, which by the way, when you I meant to talk about this earlier, but eventually you might go back and be the one that gives some of those classes or is a speaker there. Yeah. But if somebody wants to send you a message or email, how do you think they should do that? Um, 
if they want, they can start with Instagram, a direct message. So it's M-A-T-T underscore A-P-O-R-T-A. Um, and then we can connect uh, either on the phone or via email. Awesome. Well, yeah. again, thank you. And for all you listeners out there, I want you to remember one thing, and that is health is wealth, vulnerability is strength, and strength is a choice. So get up strong and be uncomfortable. Thank you.